I want you to succeed at things that you never thought were possible, and I want you to fail at things that you never thought were possible. But I just want you to take that failure and move forward. Black men are six times as likely as white men to be murder victims. They are two and a half times as likely to be unemployed. They finish last in practically every socioeconomic measure from infant mortality to life expectancy. Evening, everybody, and welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. I am your host, El Ray. Um, as always, if you like what you hear, listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Google Podcast, Facebook, Imperfect Audio. On YouTube, it is Imperfect Audio. And if you don't like what you hear, do the same thing. Um, I feel like every time I get to a Thursday, everything gets crazy. So um, everything was smooth the whole week. Then I leave work, my battery's dead on my car, and then. It's downfall rain all the way home, and then my central AC is making crazy noise. But um, we're going to keep it moving as we always do and stay nice and smooth with it. Uh, I feel like when it comes to art now, I don't have any idea what works for art or what works for hip-hop. Like I was talking about it last week on my podcast. We had a man that flew over lower New York and drew it out of his mind, and he's seen as nothing. And, uh, you know, Picasso is held up like he's the greatest artist ever. Um, and with that being said, my guest tonight is one of the best lyricists I've ever heard. And you've probably never heard of, <laughs> which is insane to me. Um, I'll bring him in right now. It is my man, Sherrod Kalis, a.k.a. Shah Stimuli. Give me one second because I got to make sure everything's all good. Mm-hmm. How you doing tonight, sir? Man, I am tremendous. I'm great. I'm great. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. Um, so, other than making music and still making good music, <laughs> what um kind of you doing now? Family, life, kids, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, I've I just been growing, man. I just been growing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in education. Say six, seven years and uh, I work at Carver High School in, in Atlanta, Georgia as a graduation coach. So I'm, I'm somewhat like a, a counselor um, to students to make sure that the, um, the senior class is graduating. Uh, I work with, you know, the, the actual commencement ceremony. Um, I locate dropouts, try to find alternatives for a lot of students that, um, you know, that are not doing too great in school. Um, it's it's a it's a rewarding position. I'm a job really because it's something that I I think my soul desired after the music thing was um not say it didn't work out, but it wasn't fulfilling like it like I like it started out. My dream kind of my husband got two boys uh, five and one, almost Ooh. five and one. 
<laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm full time with them right now, trying to oh, yeah. teach the five year old. I have to I have three and, girls, so you don't have to tell me. I know exactly. Uh, I know exactly how it is, and, and I'm ahead of you yeah, with that. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I'm late, man. You know, I, I I took the slow road to it. I lived a lot of my thirties, and then you know got married at thirty thirty seven. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm enjoying it though. I, I like how I did it. You know, that's, that's, I took, took my time. Um, so I mean, yeah, so. it's great. Like my my intro to you, which is like when I saw the the following that you had online, I was like, what what's going on? Because I think it was like 2011. I was playing mm. basketball in Boston. Somebody came up and they were like, I just came back from NY. This dude is the dopest dude I ever heard in my life, and I'm like, what? okay, this dude is the dopest dude ever. He's yeah. from New York, so. I, Everybody yeah. from New York, everything from New York is always the dopest shit up. No offense. But I'm like, all right, so who no, is I, the dude? And he's like, Shah Stimuli. Yeah. And I'm like, who? He's like, Shah Stimuli. I'm like, I heard you. And he's like, yo, don't bullshit. You got to listen. And I'm like, okay, what's the album? Tell me what the album's yeah. You know what I'm saying? Let, let me know what I got to get. And he said, he's got an album called My Soul to Keep. And he got a mixtape um, called Unsung, Volume 1. So I'm like, yeah. all right. Let me show some support. I, I buy my soul. Like I found it and bought the CD. I have it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then um, wow. I found Unsung. I can't remember where I found that. It was probably like a mixtape or something. And then I heard the song Savior. When I heard that, mm. immediately, the line was, I have it written down right here. They made a million, sell them children crack. I'm going to sell a million and then pay the children back. It was fucking over after mm. I heard that. I was mm. like, I have to hear everything <laughs> no. that this dude no. comes out with. Everything. So anytime I ever run into something, like I got into an argument with one of my friends one time because he called me up and he was like, who's the best lyricist right now? And I was like, Shasta. And he was like, better than Jay-Z? And I was like, it's fucking not close. <laughs> and he was like, wow. <laughs> so he goes, he starts talking about sales. So and I go, if we're talking about that, then yeah. it's Eminem. I was like, but if we're talking about right. art, there's no money that you can attach to art. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's no money that yeah. you can attach to, like I said, the, the, the guy that flies over Manhattan there's no money that you can attach to that. There's no value that you can put on kind of what your soul is going through at the time. And me listening to your albums as you grew, it was it was almost like, and this is my issue with a lot of um, artists that I they don't grow. It's the same thing and people get mm. accustomed to that. And I feel like your music went with my mind as I got older. I was like, damn, mm. that's what the fuck I'm thinking right now. That's crazy. <laughs> but um, give me like a... a I know you gave me like a small walkthrough, but like a, a longer walkthrough mm-hmm. of kind of how you started in music, your life before that, how you, I see you played basketball a little bit from that part as well um, to kind of where you are now. Mm-hmm. Boy, um, that's a lot. Um, let me see if I can condense the story. Um, when I was when I was a kid, I started rhyming like I was about 10 years old, um, got into a talent show that um had never written a rhyme before. My cousin Dre Knight convinced me to write a rap. Uh, it was terrible, but we won the talent show. So at 10 years old, I had this, this confidence that I was that I was good, even though I sucked. Um, my older brother, his name is Lord Digger. Um, he was down with Master Ace Incorporated back in you know the 90s. So um, he gave me that that room. You know, always had music early. Always had you know was working on beats. He did three joints on Biggie's first album. Um, so I was around it a lot. You know, I'm in Master Ace videos. I'm going to the studio and I'm, I'm at Big when I was a kid. 
Um, so music was always something I wanted to do, I wanted to pursue. And I had this, this dream to just, you know, be an artist. I think when I was a kid, I kind of, um, my biggest fear, and I talked to Master Ace about this when I was like 16, 17, I was like, yo, man, what happens when I, when I grow up and I can't use this little kid angle anymore? Like, I'm not, I'm not mm-hmm. crisscross. I'm not, you know, Chi Ali. I didn't know who I was, you know, because back then you kind of had to be something. You had to sell drugs or you had to, you know, just had to have a clear cut marketing. And that was always, I thought, I think my dilemma. And I remember when Joe Button came out, it kind of gave me a boost because um, his people wanted to sign me on top. And I felt like he was kind of similar to me where um, he didn't really have a lane, but he was a gifted, a gifted writer. So, you know, around 2000, um, I went to college, Delaware State, shout out to HBCUs. Um, you know, I got out of there around 2000 and started trying to just chase my dream, man. Interned at Rockefeller in 97 and really learned the ropes, you know, just started to, to learn the business. Um, I was a Jay fan without admitting it, you know, because I'm watching his growth and I'm mm-hmm. seeing it. But every time I, I, not when I rap, but when people saw me, they felt like my spirit was similar to his. So, you know, that's that's annoying because you're trying to create your own lane, but yep. people are like, yo, son is, he laid back like you. You know, he's sarcastic like you. I'm like, that's not good. Yeah, they, I, I heard, <laughs> but, I had a friend that they said the same, like, they were like, oh, you sound like AZ. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? Like, to me, the tone yeah. is the same, but that's more of a New York thing, but the lyrics are nowhere close. When it comes to that. Yeah, yeah. I try to, my cadence is a, a real different, you know. I, I try to switch those up as much as possible. Um, it's just the stuff I talk about, you know. And um, it's funny because the guy I interned for was Lenny S. Um, you know, years later in 2005, he was he signed me to Virgin Records. Okay. So that was that was just me. Um, you know, I made unsigned hype in the source. From that time, from 2000, probably... Um, you know, it was the toughest and the, the best part of, of my career because every every day was some type of triumph or challenge or show or you know, you gaining fans. It wasn't it wasn't an online thing back then. Yeah. We were we were in the streets uh-huh. with mixtapes and we going to you know, whether it was Mix Show Power Summit or we going to the Source Awards in Miami and we printed up these freestyle CDs and we giving them away to people. Um and that's how the you know, the buzz kind of started generating. And I was doing shows all the time. So, you know, um I remember Lenny S brought Lala to my show, Music Soul Child. Like I started performing with a live band. Um, it was just it was just growth and it was exciting because I, I saw the future. Um, but as I got closer and I, and I signed that deal with Virgin Records, um, you know, I think it was just I hit a stall. Um, I don't know if you if you know the, the story of my career. At no, all. I mean to, to, <laughs> but, to be honest, in my there, there's not much on there, but. I feel like the yeah. way that you wrote your music, it's almost like you telling the story of your life. If most people don't hear it, but if you're yeah. listening real well, it's like, okay, let me confirm if all this really moved like that. Cause it really seems like yeah. your growth yeah. from that level to, you know, a, a man that's comfortable with himself. Yeah. I, and I was not comfortable in, in 05. I remember, um, just imagine I'm signing a Virgin records. I'm thinking, you know, we kind of got the building on our side. We come up with this DVD called Switch Sides. It was the first CD and DVD in one. Mm-hmm. So you you know you play it as a CD, take it out, put it in a DVD player, replace the, the video. So it had like a 
um, you know, 17 minute story of just my whole triumph and what I was going through, you know, everything in, in my life and, and some freestyles. So we played it for the Virgin staff and some of the marketing people were like in tears, like just just with the journey. And I was like, man, we got them. Like, like, you know, I'm seeing my dream come true. And then all of a sudden, Jay-Z steps to Lenny S, who's my A&R. And he's like, yo, man, I'm going back to Def Jam. Come with me. And Lenny's like, I bet my only condition is I got to bring, you know, my artist. So Jay's like, cool. And we're we're in Baseline Studios, just like just play studio session. And I remember because I'm working hard on this emotion picture album. And Lenny shows me the two way from Jay. We had two way pages back then. Yep. And Jay's like, you know, bet. So I'm like, yo, this is crazy. I'm about to be on Def Jam. Jay-Z's about to be my CEO. Like, this is going to be out of this world. And like a couple of days later, I go to Virgin Records um, to check Lenny. And he doesn't work there anymore. <laughs> so they're like, oh, Lenny's at Def Jam. You didn't know? So I'm like, what's up? I call him. I'm like, yo, you started at Def Jam? He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm just like, okay. Um, what's up with my situation? Like, oh, no, nah, we're going to make it happen. We're going to make it happen. Turn it into one month, two months, five months, seven months. Like, and I finally get a meeting December 1st, 2005 in Jay's office and um, playing songs. And I remember Young Guru, his engineer, and Tata, they was like, yo, spit something. So we playing the songs and everybody's kind of waiting for Jay's reaction. Nobody wants to, yeah. you know, <laughs> think crazy. Nobody's nodding hard. They like, seeing what Jay's doing. So I rapped. Um, and I rapped my ass off. Like, I rapped for real. You know what I'm saying? Like, I went in. I'm pointing at him. I'm throwing CDs around the room. I'm, like, in people's faces. Like, I'm I'm going in. But I think about it. I had on a diamond chain. I had on a... I had on, I had on like, two chains. I had waves spinning. I'm, I'm dressed nothing like I feel. Like, you know, man, my image yep. that I should have portrayed, what I wanted to portray was... But I kind of got to later yep. on. So even if you were a marketing person in there, you saw a kid that kind of looked like everybody else. Yeah, he could rap, but there was no individual no vibe of yep. who this person was. Yeah, yeah. And and I always told people I was Kanye before Kanye in the terms of I had this uh, social commentary, this this real life was kind of I had made mainstream music. So I wasn't a, a necessarily an underground artist, but I had social commentary where there wasn't really a space for that unless you were a raucous artist at that time. Yeah, had to create a lane, Rockefeller. Like, yeah, it's almost like Rockefeller. a worse situation because like they can yeah. just go, "Oh, they already tried you." You you seen um the Wu Tang documentary? Like when RZA first mm -hmm. had that first go, and they just tried to misbrand him. Yep. And then he yeah. he didn't had to take it from there and and fight that hard. But once again, he he wasn't by himself, you know. And then yeah, he right. can always fall back on just I'm gonna make some beats. Make beats, and yeah. So you yeah. can both do that of them. For a they had that luxury. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I kind of wish I had that luxury because I could have you know wrote my own destiny. But at the same time, I have to be thankful for where I am. But at, at twenty, you know, twenty seven, you think you know everything. You don't, you know. And my mentor was thirty, so. He didn't know anything. Like it's 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 tough. It's tough to look back and say, "Man, I would have did it like this. Would have did it like that." But that one meeting, um, everybody in the office unanimously thought that what I did trumped my music. Like that rap trumped my music. And Jay even said his words were, "How do we get what he did here into a million homes?" 
and Shakir Stewart, rest in peace, said sign him. Um, but I think the consensus was, you know, we we need to hear a single. And I feel like my fourth song on that CD, we played three songs. The fourth song mm-hmm. was a single. It was a song called Famous that would have would have rocked. Yeah, I've heard that. Lenny was um he, he wanted to uh play the I guess the cuts that would get Jay interested, you know, the album cuts where I'm rapping. Um sometimes was one of those songs. And I could I could see him zoning out, but he just wasn't he wasn't reacting enough for people to react mm-hmm. with him. So that, you know, that was a pivotal moment because it kind of started my independent route where I, I was just like, you know, we went to Earth. I spoke to Jermaine Dupree briefly because he had taken over Virgin Records. Um, but, you know, I still had this mainstream dream because I felt like I make, you know, I could make singles in my sleep. Um, and that was what, what I always wanted to be. I didn't want to be independent. I didn't want to be underground. But then I looked to my left and my right and my boys that I'm, you know, hanging out with here and there. I'm seeing all the time, you know, Sky Zoo. I'm checking Torrey and these dudes have this independent following. And I'm like, man. I, I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm ch- talking to Sean Price and he's like, he went from, you know, being on Duck Down and kind of trying to get mold to being this underground independent legend, you know. And I went to the A3C Festival out here in Atlanta and I'm with Torrey and he's selling merch. And I'm like, what in the hell? Like, there's a whole other world out here. Oh, yeah. Down south. <laughs> I, w- I was telling somebody that the other day. They said that, um, <laughs> Somebody in the live said, does he, does he know that you're his biggest fan in the world? He knows. I told him. Wow. I so, um, that. yeah, once I heard it, man, it was, and actually one of your friends on Facebook, is, I went to high school with him. And actually uh, on motion picture, I think Jay Cardum, I went to grade school with him. Get out. Yeah. We went to grade school in, in Brookline, that's Massachusetts. So if you see him, wow. you let him know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's my guy. Um, that's my guy. But, uh, yeah, Master P was fully independent at the time that that you were mm-hmm. at Rockefeller and was the richest person in hip hop and I don't think people know that fully independent like that's why he made so much money so fast so when yeah. Diddy and when Russell Simmons were at like 200 million Master P was at like 450 in like the late 90s mm. buying gold tanks and shit so he was. and, and he I was. mean he's still doing his thing now so and I know he, I talked um I was watching an interview him the other day he said I'm I'm willing to give the game to anybody that wants to hear it. I don't have his number outside I called him 10 times but <laughs> I mean that's yeah. kind of what we need and on a past episode I was I was talking about that specifically with with a group like Migos who you know you had people set the table of branding and ownership before them and then they still mm-hmm. chose to go Gucci Fendi Fendi which makes no goddamn sense to me Right, but um, yes. when you were at Rockefeller, who like what what year was that, and what rappers were there at, at the time? Somebody just asked me about my jersey. I dare you to find this. This is the Colin Kaepernick Armed <laughs> Forces Troll jersey. All right? That's hard. <laughs> That's hard. But yeah, who was there yeah. for artists at the time? Like, was Kanye um, there at the time, or was it like when I in, when I interned? It was ninety seven. That was that was when Jay first started. I was there in my lifetime. Um. That was the first, so like you know, the second L. album. But um, nah, Big L wasn't. He was never signed. But when I was when I was going through the whole Virgin uh, Def Jam, when I was trying to get from Virgin to Def Jam, that was when they had um, Beans and Free, yeah, um, uh, yeah, Young Guns. Kanye was yeah, yeah Kanye, Kanye was there. Blueprint one. Yeah, I was I was there when um, I went to the first showcase that had Neo. 
Tierra Marie, Rihanna, and this group called Black Butterfly. So I got to see Rihanna with these baggy jeans, um, unpolished. Tierra Marie, um, you know, she had a single out. And Neo stole the show. And everybody was like, wow, he, he has a future. Well, I mean, and once so again, was... Neo's a person that can just sit back and write. I'm surprised you don't do that. Yeah. You don't ghostwrite? I, <laughs> well, that's how I got my deal. Um, because when I, when I first, you know, when Lenny first got the job at Virgin Records, he was trying to sell them on me. So I had to come in and kind of write for people. Um, yeah, I mean, the writing thing, it's, it's a politics game for a lot of it. And, and, and it's with timing, because I would get calls for Diddy songs, and I didn't have my own studio, and then I would turn stuff in the next day, like, oh, it's crazy, but his man did something last night. I'm like, this is too much. Yeah, exactly, because you know? you, you mastering some shit, and you hold it up, and then it's like, oh, we don't need this. It's like, what the fuck yeah. am I doing? Um, and then flows get stolen, so that's another thing. When, you, when they tell you they didn't, they didn't use it, but then you hear that they used it. That's, yeah, that, that's that, that, you, now you're messing with the contracts, and if you're too small, you got to see if it's yeah. worth it for you to get a lawyer and pay that yeah. money. Yeah, I know, I know how all that works. I mean, I'm 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 yeah. a designer, so I I design a lot of shit, and people will steal it, and then I get so fucking mad, and people are like, "Why are you mad?" And I'm like, "I feel like you're stealing out of my brain. Nobody else can mm. fucking do this, and I feel like you're stealing the shit right out of my brain, and I don't like that. It's um, I always, especially when it comes to Kanye, I always reference. Um, the punk, the MTV punk that they did with him, where they tried to act mm-hmm. like they were going to shut down his whole set. And he took yeah. his fucking music and took all the tapes and got in a truck and drove away before they could even tell him he got punked. And I was like, I don't know another artist that takes their shit that seriously. <laughs> nah, he, he's he's different, man. I, I used to write for XXL um, before I signed. So I remember I, I would use that to kind of get in and, and interview people. So I interviewed Young Guru. One day, uh, Baseline Studios, Jay-Z's engineer, and Kanye came in there, and MTV was doing a, a segment called You Heard It First. So Kanye, uh, I was able to sit and watch him play. He had uh, Hey Mama. Um, it was like four or five songs on college. Yeah, I heard that mixtape like on the next album. six months before the album came out. Yeah, yeah. And he was like standing on the table um he believed in his art so much and i'm just sitting there like oh my god i thought this guy i didn't know i knew he was a producer like i saw his name on on you know credits but i was like this guy's about to change the game he believed in himself so much it was it was inspiring i think it wasn't until one of those rockefeller tours where dame brought him out and then um Mm -hmm. and that that's how it went from there that uh yeah that because i had the original college dropout mixtape with the real lauren hill sample so yeah, when I heard too. the real one, I yeah. was like, the fuck is this? Lalina Johnson? Who's that? <laughs> yeah. And he and he was a huge fan. Like I I went to his house, like when he heard he heard me on the DJ Boom mixtape. Because um I think Boom hosted it. And I had two freestyles on there and he lost his mind. Like, yo, who is this kid? And um Oh yeah, yeah. I feel like if you I feel like if you was from Chicago, he would have grabbed you. Cause he brought Twista and yeah. Common back from the dead, and that Common oh, no, album no, was my favorite their... album ever. Common B. Yeah, mine too. Yeah, he, cha- he changed their lives, you know. And I, <laughs> I think about, I thought about that at that time, and how that, you know, it's all connected to Jay, man. Like, well, I feel like I, so it was like that 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 Def Jam turnover was like after that whole Nas 
Stillmatic and the beef that he had with Nas, mm-hmm. right? And then Russell Simmons signed yeah. the Def Jam, and then he did the Dame shit, and yeah, I got that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, I imagine you run into a lot of kids that are rappers. Yeah, because I yeah. run into a lot of kids that of are rappers, and when you listen to them. First of all, what type of advice do you give them? And are you even able? Because I know my friends that are rappers are always like, I'm the nicest person that there is. And I'm just like, all right, like, I get that. Now, now mm-hmm. other than you, let's move forward. But um, can you humble yourself to even listen to their music if it's not good? Totally. totally. And what yeah, do you yeah, tell yeah. them as far as advice when it comes to the industry? Because I, I talked about this a couple episodes back well when, when Joe Button um, interviewed Lil Yachty. He didn't know about his own goddamn deal. Right. Yeah, well, for me... um. It, a couple of years ago, I had to kind of switch up my ears because I was listening for. I'm a I'm a writer, so I'm a fan of of writing. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of of writing that is you know awesome. Like I like when people put words together and there's multi syllabic word patterns, things like that. So I always encourage a kid to get better at writing, you know. And and I had to kind of fall back from that because. They don't take the pen as serious. They just care about the melody and the song is good. So it, it's never one blanket statement. If I, I I got a kid that I'm mentoring, um, he, when he started when he started messing when he started playing me songs, his name was Baby Neil, mm-hmm. right? And I told him, based on the content that he was sending me, I was like, you should change your name instead of the N E I L to K N E E L. And he was like, what? And then. He actually listened and changed his name to Humble Neil. And I was like, that's a kid that listened. And his music is melodic. He got flows. He, he doesn't really write, you know, ill rhymes. Mm-hmm. But he got a younger brother who sounds like a baby J. Cole that, like, really raps for real. So I'm like, that's two different advices I give them. Like, yo, you need to find yeah. concepts. You need to push this song right here. You know, get some money behind it. If I had money to, to just do a video, I would I would do that. And I mean, I mean, a lot of different kids with different styles. So it's never one thing. One one blanket statement I do tell them is find a new effect because auto tune. I think it's um it's generic. As much as they they go to it, I feel like what's going to separate you from Travis Scott from you know these other guys that use it every every single time to be honest I don't and know I what the fuck separates it because when I hear it on the radio I can't tell people <laughs> apart like when people was like Juice right. World died I was like who's that and then I heard the song yeah, and I was like I thought that was fucking five other people I know I know and that's tough and then I feel old when I tell them that but I don't think so because I'm, if I'm telling you that to find something new I'm not saying don't do it I'm saying yo it sounds terrible I'm saying there has to be something else mm-hmm. out there like your voice isn't that bad, you know. I can't tell the difference. I don't know if other people can, but when I hear people like the baby, um, even though I don't love the the baby names, the little baby and the baby, those guys at least I can hear the effort in the pen, yep. the penmanship, um, and that to me that's that's exciting. So I think even little baby song um, that he that he dropped during the protest period, I, I felt like because these young kids listen, yep. man, and I always tell them. You need different content. Like, if I see a kid and he's a, he's a, a cornball, but then I hear the song and he got AR-15s and, and sticks and ratchets, and I'm like, that's another piece of advice. I'm like, listen, man, this ain't you. And, and you're going to get your G-card checked. 
and it's not gonna be pretty. You know. Yep. So that, the main thing I tell them is be yourself, because that's a big mistake I made. Um, trying to find myself for many years and not being completely authentic. I didn't straight up lie, but it was hard, comfortable with the, who I, you know, who I am. I was always afraid of working a job. I think I there's a lot of people that go through that, and I think there's a lot of people in the music industry like that, which is uh, it's crazy because you know the people that are listening to them tend to think some are more real than others, and they're completely wrong. Um, mm. And I'll actually move forward a question because that segues into something that I, I, I always say every other episode is, is that one of the realest rappers that I've seen is Drake because he never claimed to be that shit that y'all wanted to be. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, he's soft. And I'm like, well, he never said he was shooting people with AR-15s. But right. everybody ain't shooting people with fucking AR-15s. I have an AR-15. I don't use the shit ever. I don't even need it. But the government better pay me if they want it. Right. <laughs> but that's Florida shit. Um, it's funny you said something about writing. That is Florida. And um, a lot of the arguments I get into with people, they say shit like, and in, in, in my live comments, somebody said, to tell them that you hate Jay-Z. I've heard everything Jay-Z's made. Mm-hmm. It's the, when somebody says something like, Jay-Z doesn't need to write. Haven't you heard lyrical exercise? And I go, yeah, and I can tell he doesn't write. Because it's just a different version of what you hear now. It's, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this. But when somebody's writing, you get Rakim. You know, you get, okay, this is it. I can read your life. You get Common B. It's through. You, it's, mm-hmm. This is fully thought out. Everything makes sense. It's not the sound of the beats. And then when you attach them to a guru or you attach them to a Kanye, it's like, hmm, well, Kanye has the same amount of Grammys as Quincy Jones. So I think he has something to do with this. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, so I don't think people understand the writing aspect of it because, you know, you lose Deaf Poetry Jam and you lose what this is supposed to be. Still one of the best verses I've ever heard is the last verse in the message with Grandmaster Flash and Furious Five. And it holds true Mm. today. I've never heard anything like it, but that's the actual street. And I don't just mean, hey, I got a gun. I mean, your day to day. Regular life, right. what you're going through in regular life. But um, I guess that brings you to a point of when you hear the word lyricist, what comes to mm-hmm. mind? Who comes to mind? I've grown to not like that word anymore <laughs> because it just feels so boxy. It's like, ah. Uh, um, but when I think about it, I think about just people that have the ability to craft words and people that put me in awe. You know, when I hear uh, Eminem or Royce, those are the um, Crooked Eye, um, Fonte, you know, those are the guys that when I'm listening to what they, the setup words and the meaning and then how far they go with the rhyme scheme. like a, a sci high. I think I think Royce really amazes me. Um, his last albums ridiculous. His last just, two albums are ridiculous. Yeah, and he the way he um the way he omits the rhyme pattern for maybe one or two bars and then goes back to it. Um, I think I think that's something that slept on because that's not it's not easy, you know. And I and I'm, I made I made myself my last album myself on four bar rhyme patterns. So, mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody cares. Nobody's going to sit there and be like, yo, he rhymed four things. Like, every verse, I don't just give you two things that rhyme. So, 
I got to go for four. And that's to me, that's a sign of one, I care, um, this talent. And it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's meticulous. It's showing you that this is not just, I'm not just doing this. This is a craft that I'm, I'm good at, you know? And I think that we've gotten away from that in music to be good at something. And, um, but those are the people that I, I think about, you know, <laughs> Eminem's last album, even if you don't like Eminem or you're not a fan, just the way he weaves words and the way he finds things to rhyme with each other and still makes sense. Eminem um, is the, you know, it's, it's a thing of genius. Um, I had, I had this yeah. conversation a couple episodes ago and it's weird the way that you started off. Cause it's almost the exact same thing that I said, except I said it in the words of when I listened to lyricists, I get amazed when I go, Oh shit, I can't even say that in slow motion. Mm. <laughs> I can't even repeat what was just said in a rhyme. You know what I'm saying? In my brain. And that's where I'm like, yeah. damn, that is the craziest thing ever. Um, somebody just asked me a question in the live that said, what do you think is more important? Um, the content or the flow and who do you think is the best of the two and the best of the two is then that would where i'd be conceding to somebody like jay-z because i feel like he it's mm. it, i said it a couple episodes ago it's like john legend he's not the best singer but the complete package is great yeah yeah he um he wins that 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 battle because of his his journey has been so so apparent like we've seen every and everything he talks about so that last 444 album i think to me it brought him back as as you know possibly the greatest because he was able to talk about his own experience and it wasn't on the block anymore it was his you know his, his issues with his wife it was talking about family it was talking about his mother you know it was talking about his, his kids and, and everything he was going through and his flow you know he does his thing on there, um, but the the best I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, unquestionably, I, I, yeah, really... I said that to somebody the other day, and they were like, "Who's Royce?" And I was like, "Man, get the fuck out of here." Yeah, Royce I heard is, he's really one, he's really so talented. It's, it, 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 for me, it's it's whatever. Oh my God. And, and I mean, it's almost like when he came back, it's the same thing we were talking about earlier. You gained a confidence in yourself that it's a, mm -hmm. a a combination of I know I can flow, and I don't give a fuck what you think. But with that being yeah. said, also, it was hard for him to slip out of the picture because, you know, you got M. So if M just goes, hey, I'm bringing yeah. you back, then you're back. Right. No matter who the fuck it is. Yeah, they, have, they, <laughs> they fell out for a minute. So, you know, that's what we try to hold on and to. And I mean, even with that, because <laughs> now um, when I look at lyricists now, um, I saw like the freshman freestyle, whatever that bullshit was. And I said, this is the worst shit I've ever mm -hmm. seen in my life. And y'all are lucky that Jonah Lucas and Little Dicky were not there because it would have been fucking over. Mm. Have you heard of Little Dicky? Yeah, I have. Yeah, he can. He can, he can rap. He the can sway rap. freestyle. I think Jonah is amazing. Jonah is a beast. <laughs> yeah, Jonah is one of those. When I when I first got into this industry around two thousand four two thousand five, I envisioned Joiner being of what would be around today. Like I thought rise elevate to, yeah <laughs> to the point where all of the young guys were were kind of sort of like the battle rappers where sometimes i hear some bars i'm like hey how you thought of that you know and i thought that would happen with with music i thought we would just keep on rising and keep on rising and then it's been and i ask young kids this all the time or even not young kids kids in their 20s and 30s who's who's their goat who who do y'all have debates about when we were growing up 
or you know, when I was in college, it was a lot of the J, Big, Nas, you know, Pac, M, and then maybe from 2011, it's been Wayne. a Kendrick Cole. Right, well, yeah, Wayne has been up there, but it's been a it's been a Kendrick Cole, um, Drake conversation for the last what 10, 10 to twelve years for that generation. Oh yeah, they, they don't got nobody else. Like I'm like, well, who? As far as rapping and mainstream, who who's coming in? And they're like, it's a blank. And that's the part that kind of like makes me think, all right, is the game really changing to the point where you don't have to be a great wordsmith at all? Yeah. And even even still, who are the icons? That will who's pushing the culture forward. That that's a great statement because you you get to a point where I know who's pushing the culture forward, and that's Kendrick and J. Cole, but the, they're not at the top of everything. And um, I hate when people say, like, oh, rap is dead because we don't choose what we're putting out there. And that's one of the uh, mm -hmm. uh, 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 kind of another J thing that I'm like, obviously, with you, it makes it even worse. Because now I'm like, yeah. you're going to hinder the empowering music in light of making, you know, this bullshit lasts forever. And like I said, where we go, the NBA players took all the shit that was done before them and said, I'm doing that mm -hmm. shit. LeBron said, okay, I seen, Iverson said, I seen what Jordan did, I'm doing that shit. And Iverson changed the whole fucking NBA. Right. And then in turn, now right. you get to LeBron and Kobe and their self-branding and Steph Curry puts, you know, Under Armour on the map. But now in music, mm -hmm. we just said, Kanye built his own shit. That's what I'm talking about. Kanye built his own <laughs> shit. You know what I'm saying? He had said no to Nike, which is insane, and then was still successful. And then now you have a, a group that comes after him that just goes, all right, we're just going to go back and get some designer shit, and that's what it is. And I'm like, what, what was the point of all that? You're not taking anything into account. Um, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a great point. And I, I, I always think about that. And it's like... They haven't taken and improved on it. They've it's almost become this battle between old and young, which is why I always try to watch my statements because I never want to slander what's going on, but I pay attention um, and I listen when the young boys tell me who's hot. Um, like I like the kid YBN Corday, mm -hmm. but um, you know how far is he going to get? Because he's somebody I think that could really push the culture forward. And it's not just because he's rapping about real life; it's just because he can be an iconic figure. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't know who's like, who do we, who, who are they looking to Travis Scott? Little so, baby. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I've, I'm, I'm done with Travis Scott. And it was something as simple as this. <laughs> I was watching the episode of the shop with LeBron and they were telling uh -huh. LeBron was like, why are we even worried about getting the Grammys? Why don't we just start our own shit? That's what LeBron said. Mm -hmm. And Travis Scott was like, nah, right. cause we, we still do aspire to get, and this was the only thing he said the whole fucking episode. He wasn't saying anything. And he just, he, he, kind of chimed in to talk about how important the Grammys were to him. And I'm like, you're not getting it. You're really not getting yeah. it. And, and, and if you're not getting it, you're so far behind the idea of what it is. And all of them are like that. All of that mindset is like that. I'm not going to, I think the little Yachty shit where you went on one of the shows in New York and was like, I'm not going to rap on any old shit. Um, the mm -hmm. difference with little Yachty is that he knows his shit sucks and he said it and he's just like, listen, I was rapping in my room and I make money. So whatever, that's fine. I respect all that. If that is what it is, the problem is now when somebody takes that shit and, and calls right. Takashi six, nine shit, hip hop. And I'm like, no, 
give that shit another name. Give that shit another genre. Because mm-hmm. that's not what it is. And I can't um, deal with that. But um, I guess we'll move forward into I, some mentoring type stuff. You, want, you got something to say? No, I was just thinking when you, when you mentioned Kendrick Cole and, and Drake, all of those guys in their 30s now. And, you know, it just makes me, makes me think about the icons that I looked up to when I was in my 20s. They were still in their 20s or even when I was a teen. Like, these guys were, were young and they weren't, it wasn't just because of the music. It was one, it was what they said. It was how they represented themselves in interviews. It was what they believed. Like if you, if you saw a Pac in an interview like that, he, he's not going, he's not going to have that comment. And that's what made people gravitate toward. And that's what made people want to follow him. That's what made me learn from a lot of these guys. It wasn't just, you know, 10 crack commandments was a, was a real lesson. You know, <laughs> that was, these guys were giving you, you I said, jewels. I, I said don't know. Tupac has some some um, interviews that are better than rappers' entire albums, and they're like oh, fifteen yeah, minutes. The one about on MTV, I think it was about Christmas. Epic mm-hmm. shit, epic. Yeah. But um, I guess let's talk about some mentoring. And anytime I argue with a racist uh, that thinks he's not racist, the comment that I get is, "What does the black community need more of?" Or what they say mm. is, "Well, how do we save the black community?" So I guess the question I'll ask you is, what does the black community need more of and what does the black community need less of? Oh, um, what does the black community need more of? We need more mentors. We, de- we definitely need more mentors. Um, me being in the school system for the last couple of years, I look at my phone and I got hundreds of names of kids. Mm-hmm that I can physically reach out to, that I know, that I've spoken to, and I can't be a mentor to all of them. But I think about how many of them want to give them words growing up, and that's that's something that that we all need. That's something that I needed that I didn't have, you know? Um, and I think it's important with, with the young men and young women because I never want to sound like I'm, I'm preaching to them when I say something as simple as call yourself king instead of nigga, right? That, that may sound corny to them, but if there's a mentor group, a bunch of guys saying the same message and they're hearing it over and over and they're hearing us address each other in a certain way and, they got, and we have our pants up, it, it changes the way they view themselves. Yeah. That, 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 that we need because we're out here shooting each other, joining gangs to, to feel some to feel like we belong somewhere. Um, women are looking at being an Instagram model as, as a career choice now. You know, I, I had I had some of my students reach out to me today and ask me how much I charge for Instagram promo. And and these you know they're not girls that are you know gonna show themselves online but the mentality is that this is a, a viable option for me to use the platform to make money. It's not a bad thing, but they need. We all need mentorship. They, you know, it's just something that's that's needed along with counseling. We need that. A lot of us need that. Oh yeah. You know, most of us need therapy, but it's it's taboo in the black community. It's something that's that we don't, you know, we don't do. We don't talk about. But it's something that's definitely needed. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I dropped. What do we need less I, on a couple. When I dropped that, when I did the, the my education episode 
with with Adrian Mims, who's the the national director of the Calculus Project, said the same thing. Black males make up, I think it's one percent of the teachers in the United States. So that is something mm-hmm. that we're definitely lacking. And um, personally, when I talk to younger kids, I kind of have to start with rewriting history and what they were told. So if somebody tells you history mm-hmm. started as slavery, you think you're better than slavery now. Like, oh, I got a gold chain. I'm better than slavery, so I'm good. But if I tell you that the richest right. man in the history of Earth was an African black man, that's a lot different. Because now you ain't doing that well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody's right. doing that well. Um, and when you kind of start to rewrite the image of what you actually are versus what the image of what you're told you are, then you can open it up. And it, it it's not an elevator pitch, unfortunately, to these kids. But as you have phone numbers over time, you know, you could kind of see, okay, I don't like the way you said that on Facebook. Let me uh, correct you here a little bit and let you know mm-hmm. what the real fact is with articles and with science behind it. But um, yes, the what what do we need? What do we need less of? Man, that's a tough one. Um, let me close the door to my son. Open him up. <laughs> oh boy. Um, less of in the black community. Uh, we need. We just need less hate, man. <laughs> we gotta. We gotta stop stop hating on each other. Like it's just we we approach a lot of situations negatively, you know. And, and I, I know a lot of it comes from and not having a a country and and slavery and, and all of the things that have have held us back. But um, you know, it's just so much so much negativity and you know even online a lot of times when you when you post something you're worried about people saying something negative and that's just it's like one of the things that that comes out um you know again working with kids i, I see it all the time if, if if i stand up in front of a group of, of youngsters i think the one of my biggest fears is that somebody's gonna say say something out loud that's gonna be negative and that's just that's just how they they wake up they they go through things and they wear it you know mm-hmm. um just just a lot of tough stuff that kids are going through. I always think about the youth and the next generation. Oh, unquestionably. I mean, where where we're yeah. at now, without question. Um, so, when you like, do kids ask you specifically about kind of what's going on now? And, and by that, I mean like the Black Lives Matter movement. And and what do you tell them as far as that? Um, no, nah, not not really. Kids aren't. They don't really ask about stuff like that, you know. I've seen some kids, you know, protest and and get out there and and you know march and walk. But a lot of kids, um, they're they're oblivious, man. They just I had kids more upset about missing the prom than anything. Yeah, you know they. <laughs> it's, the weight of it. It's, there, it's a I different mean, yeah, time, like, and you're in Atlanta. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I guess maybe the TI is pushing it, but that's older than the, the, the older demographic. I don't know anybody from that younger Atlanta-based demo that's really pushing it. It's really like, like I said, like Kendrick and Kanye. Kendrick was out there marching with like Russell Westbrook. Even Kanye was marching. Yeah. So, <laughs> man, and I work across the street from um, where Rayshard Brooks, the um, the guy yep. that killed at the at the Wendy's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my my school's across the street, and they burn. That Wendy's down that you know we were going to every week. 
Yeah, I interviewed. So I inter- one of my previous shows, I interviewed uh, a gay porn star that was right in front of it when it happened, and he was protesting really? Black Lives Matter. Yep. Wow. He actually had it on his Facebook Live, and I was like, "Yeah, you want to be on the?" And we did a we did a whole podcast episode. Um, and he the next day he was in D.C. in front of somebody ripping a monument down. So it, it, it's mm. crazy that it doesn't take on a life of its own. But I guess have you seen Queen and Slim? I haven't watched it yet. Great. It it's absolutely great. Um, and it wasn't down on my paper, but it's just something I was thinking about. Definitely watch mm-hmm. it because it's very, very powerful um, in terms of misinterpreting the impact um, as well as joining kind of the, the following. Because, you know, you got some people that misinterpret it and they're looters. And then you got people that know what everything's about. And I, somebody asked me, OK, why are they looting their own neighborhood? And my immediate answer was because that's all they fucking know. Yeah. What do you think they're gonna go to the yeah. courthouse? No, they're gonna walk <laughs> fucking five feet and blow some shit up right yeah. there because that is what it is. And then, contrary to what you believe, black people don't own the shit in black neighborhoods. <laughs> I know you think they do, but they don't. True. A lot more down south. There's a lot more black ownership down south, but up north, we don't own shit. Hmm. Um. Yeah, that's that's real. What that's advice real. would you give your 18 year old self? Whew. Man. <laughs> I think at 18, I was one of the laziest people ever. So I had this this basketball dream that wasn't really a dream because I didn't go after it. I didn't apply to any colleges. I ended up at a junior college in Iowa because I wanted to feel by signing a letter of intent so the one because uh, all my friends were going to schools and I didn't want to go to a D2 because I had a bunch of D2 offers and D3 offers but I didn't want to do that so I went to junior college for one year um, so I would have I would have told myself to get real about what you want like if you're gonna if you want to play basketball then you don't need to go out at night. you need to just shoot you need to get better you know, and I, I have flashes of that because I, I was one of those kids that I could jump a little bit, I could shoot a little bit, and I could dribble a little bit. So, and I made it to six three. So, why not put all of that together and really go hard? Um, yeah, I needed to 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 stop dreaming and become more of a planner at eighteen. Um, I ended up, you know, after that one year going to Delaware State, cause my brother my brother signed to Atlantic Records. So I felt like it didn't, make, it didn't make sense for me to be in the Midwest if I wanted to do music. So ended up being, you know, three hours away from New York and Delaware. And that gave me the ability to, you know, just be close to the industry and start my start interning at Rockefeller. So I, I would tell myself to 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 really just focus on what it is that you want to do and, you know, not beat yourself up for being who you are. Mm-hmm. Cause I think I think I did that a lot. I was I was so concerned with what I wasn't, um, with with not being a, a tough guy or not being a drug dealer or, um, you know, the things that I thought would would make me a viable person that people wanted to follow and be around. Um, and I I needed to just I wouldn't even call it work harder, cause I, I believe that when you do when you're doing something you enjoy, it's not. It's not grinding. Like I, I used to think grinding was everything. I used to think sleep was the devil. You know, I in my twenties it was like 
you know, four hours of sleep. I'm going to bed at five, waking up at nine. Like I'm trying to write all the time and just, it was grind, grind, grind. I tried to make up for my basketball laziness with music. And cause that was easy. <laughs> cause that was easy. It wasn't yeah. the physical toll on your body. <laughs> right. But I made it, I made myself in this boot camp where if I'm not writing, I'm, I'm rehearsing. If I'm not rehearsing, I'm remembering. Like I'm always working on something, trying to train my brain to just improve and come up with different weird, crazy concepts. And that was, that was my thing. Um, and I, you know, I don't look down on that, but I'm thinking about how much life I missed out on just focusing on the wrong part of the game. <laughs> you know, I, I should have just really thought about who the hell am I for sure. And what's going to make people care, the, you know, even Pat, like, so somebody, one of my friends called me the other day, he's an Olympic athlete. Well, he was an Olympic athlete. And I, I, I had 10 years ago started an event in Costa Rica that teaches health and wellness to kids. And, and of course, you know how it is. Like you tell your boys in the beginning, yo, I'm about to do this. And everybody's like, yeah, all right, all right, all right. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, you do it. And then they see what it looks like after you've do, been doing it for four years. And, oh, shit. And the question he asked me was, how did you do that? Like, how did you do the event? Because I want to start my own um, track meet. And mm-hmm. I said, I failed. And you need to mm-hmm. be content with failing. You need to be ready to fail and to learn from that failure. But you're so used to winning that you feel like it's going to hurt you so bad to fail. Um, and when I mm-hmm. talk to young men, I, I always tell them, when they have an idea, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start a t-shirt company. I'm going to start this company. I go, okay, that's fine. This is what you got to do to do it. And I want you to fail at the shit or succeed at the shit. Because when you go halfway mm-hmm. and you see a million motherfuckers, and the Randy Moss 30 for 30 said, it's, there's always going to be people standing out by this 7-Eleven telling you that yep. I was almost there, but they never took a fucking step in the door. You wasn't almost there. You're just telling yourself you was almost there because you never failed or succeeded. That is, that's the best advice you can give somebody. And that, that's kind of like when I chose the name Stimuli, people asked me why, why you choose that name. And I said, I wanted to provoke some type of reaction. Like I wanted to get a response. Like I, I didn't want to go halfway with music. I wanted to make sure that when you heard it, you felt something. I don't care if you hated it or loved it. And to fail or succeed is, that's it. Like too many of us have these ideas. Of course, you know friends that say, oh, "I'm about to do this. I'm about to do that. I'm about to start this business." And I do these bar talks where I'm talking to myself a lot of times because I got the the goal to do a podcast. Went and bought some equipment, got some microphones. Um, you know, got this ring light right now on, mm-hmm. on, the, on the computer. But am I going to do it? You know, that's the thing. I'm, I told people I was going to write a book. I wrote it. You know, told people I'm writing. I did that. Mm-hmm. And, and strong words for the week is, is, is coming out. That, I, I, I said that like, strong words for the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. sounds dope. I was I actually started yeah. writing a book, and then I had to get the podcast to start clearing my mind because I was getting too bogged down on my mind. But yeah. it's funny you said that because I think a couple episodes back I, I said the same shit. If you're gonna do a podcast, do it. I, this is like I said it. This is a fucking forty dollar webcam, and this is an Xbox mm-hmm. headset that's sixteen dollars, and I still got good audio. So. Everybody's mm-hmm. freaking out and thinking they got to have the best possible thing. Um, and that's a, I think that's a big thing with music, too. It's like everybody, oh, it's not mixed down. It's not massive yet. And I'm like, man, yeah. if it's there, it's fucking there. I know it's there. I can hear mm-hmm. the passion. I can hear it, everything that's in it. Um, 
do you personally have a story where you felt that you kind of, and I know you said you have a lot of numbers in your phone, so I imagine you do, change somebody's life like that you knew, like, damn, they're going bad, and you kind of intervened and changed everything around? I mean, it. yeah, there's, there's a lot of people that, I can't say a lot, but I've, over the years, every year, I probably get a, a me, social media message that says, I was feeling this way, I heard this song, and it changed everything and to me, I always tell people, I used to care about views and, and numbers, but when I get one of those messages, it trumps everything. Because I'm, I'm, one, I have the ability to respond because I don't have uh -huh. hundreds of thousands of followers. So that's very important to me, and, I, and I, I, feel, I feel really good about that. But I got into education because of those messages. When I get them, I'm like, man, I wish I could, I, I could know this person, right? And I remember talking to J. Cole one day because um, he happened to be in the neighborhood of, of my school. And one of my students was like, we just saw J. Cole on the block. I was like, you ain't seen no J. Cole on the block. So I'm, I wasn't stunting, but I texted him. I was like, yo, you buy a car by high school by any chance? He was like, yeah, I just was over there. Whatever. So I was like, yo, I'm, I work there. Like, <laughs> so we met up on the block and my principal's a big fan. So we out there talking for like two hours on just on a, on a block kids coming up i had another one of my young boys rap for him um and that's a kid who whose life i changed you know he's has multiple he's like eight nine brothers and sisters been homeless um off and on and that moment for him was so big and when he was considering not going to college i got jay cole on the phone to talk to him and something as simple as that you know to have jay cole tell you hey man don't be stupid you're a small kid, go to college, like that. That changes life, man. You know. Yeah, even looking at the live, it's, somebody it's, was saying the the the, and one of the Atlanta people I missed was Killer Mike. He's definitely doing his thing. Um, oh yeah. They said oh, exactly yeah. what you what you needed at the time was men mentorship. I told the story before about um, basically somebody that was at my school that was doing what you did, and I was like, I think I'm gonna do a private school mm -hmm. year, and he was like, All right, let's do it right now, and I was like. I was just bullshitting though. <laughs> Cause I, at the time I was just saying shit and seeing what's yeah. stuck. Um, what do you define as successful when you were younger at 18 versus now? Um, you mean like what, what did so I So when you were 18, then? what did you see as successful? Yeah. And then oh, what okay. do you see as successful well, now? At, at 18, I, I lived in New York. So from 18 to about 30, <laughs> the, the success image was similar because in New York, I don't know if you're familiar with the size of homes and, and yep. apartments and things like that. Like I said, like I'm from it's, Boston, it's so small. it's the same yeah. shit when it comes to that price. <laughs> it's, it's small, it's expensive. Um, so a car was success for me because I, I grew up in a home where um, my mother got into a, a car accident when I was five so she couldn't drive because she couldn't turn her neck so we didn't grow up in the house with a car after my mm -hmm. father left um so that was something something as simple as that i wanted to be able to drive places um my own place you know having an, a, an apartment i didn't care if it was a box that was something i wanted i, I really wanted independence because i had lived for so long just off of you know yeah. someone else whether it was my mother or um friends or girls i was dealing with it was just always I was always dependent on someone else. So uh, throughout those years at 18, I wanted a chain. 
which is one of the first things I got when I got a record deal. I wanted to show that I had made it physically. I wanted you to see me and feel like, oh, he got it. And the biggest thing I wanted was fame. I wanted, because every, every time we went somewhere, whether it was a basketball game or a black expo or something where there was a lot of people, the Leo in me wanted people to be like, yo, that's him. That was that was something that was really, really big for me um, growing up. And when I, when I got into music, I was like, I just want people to know me. Now, <laughs> it looks a lot different. Um, now, success is um, waking up every day in, in, in this home and seeing my, my, my wife and my sons and everybody's healthy and, and able, you know, to to eat and live and i look at you know the size of my backyard and the rooms the multiple rooms in the house and just the space and i i well up with, with gratitude and emotion that we can go to the grocery store comfortably and nobody's saying hey put that back we can't we can't get that this week um those are those are the things that that are successful to me and the next level is being able to add to that being able to say all right let's Let's get the basement finished and it's not a big deal. Let's um, put this kid in, in this school because it makes it makes sense. Um, let's take a trip somewhere. Let me be able to work from home because it, it, it feels comfortable. Um, and, and being able to have that residual income coming in, you know, where my wife can rest. And it, it's just it's just a life that that we envision that's stress free. Um, health is always number one it's just the little things man i i can't really i can't put it in one box but it's it's, it's so many little things compiled on top of each other that just every day it's it's just it's just special oh yeah you know you do, people think you there's know? not an in-between man and and it's crazy because like I, I i remember when i was younger like you you didn't real you didn't realize how fucking poor you were and now when you get right. older you're like all right, yeah, it's fucking forty dollars. Who cares? Whereas younger, yeah. your mom's stressing over fucking five dollars. You're like, yo, what? It's a Christmas present. <laughs> no, so no. that's the type of shit that happens. So yeah, exactly what you. I, I mean, I I kind of what I always say to people is that I want to be able to own as much of my time as possible because I know people that have way more money that's than it. me, but they're still stuck. Um, even with still some of these stuck. artists, I mean, shit, they're super rich, but you gotta, yes. you're going here, you gotta do an interview here, and you gotta go to that. And that, I think they, you know, they didn't expect that. They just thought, you know, I'm gonna be super famous, and then I'll just go over here and hide, and it just don't happen like that. I tell, I talk to my wife about that all the time, because I know um, what that life looked like, that I was talking about, that I wanted, and now I can see that my time is so important. I, even if I would've done everything I wanted to do and would have had to go on tour and had to just be places. You're still constricted by by time. Time is still okay. Yeah, time and contracts and times you need to be places yes. and how many albums you need to release by a certain amount of time. Yes. Yes. And I, I love the idea of what I'm doing now, writing this script. Let's say that gets produced. Okay. <laughs> That's it book is out there people like it okay mm -hmm. like oh you want, they want you to do a book sign all right i'll do that you know even with the music now i i feel i don't feel restricted by anything I'm, i may put out some music but i don't feel like i have to perform or i have to be somewhere or i have to do a listening party 
I used to have these big birthday bashes every year. My birthday's August 9th, so I just um just had a birthday. Happy belated. My birthday parties consisted thank you. Consisted of bottle popping and flyers and you know, it was just this big event. Sometimes it'd be a party on if my birthday fell on a Wednesday, I would have one on a Wednesday and then one on a Saturday. Like and it was it had to be this grandiose thing. Now I could just have my kids sing and with a cake and some candles and I'm great. You mm-hmm. know, just to contrast that life. But yes, I'm I'm right with you on that. Time is time is everything. Yeah, I feel I, I still gotta I'm not a club person, but if I can sit down and enjoy it and have a big bash, I do as well because it's a point where I do want that because I not the the the, the fame, but more the kind of being around people that you want to deal with and 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 sometimes being that center of attention because when you feel that you've been underappreciated for so long, you want those moments where you feel that all your hard work. You know, you get some mm-hmm. type of appreciation, whether it's from the people that you love or the people that are in your inner circle all the time. We got that's the difference between the club and I would love to do that, which you're talking about at my house. Like, I have enough <laughs> space now that I can you, do you that. did the you did the black the legend dream and moved to Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> the meme. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, we got four more questions, but the next one might take a fucking I don't even know. Since you a baller, who's the goat? Yeah. <laughs> basketball yeah come on man last dance baby <laughs> I'm a Jordan fan man alright I'm just gonna say LeBron we'll go to the next question you one of those guys you must have missed the um, game one you didn't see that game I'm about to watch game two I'll tell you that it's on right when we off <sighs> I, I don't know how you go and um, miss those free throws and then Shoot that terrible three because he's scared to get to the line, man. I mean, I I like the guy as a person. I think he's a great individual. Um, but you know, I'm a big Kobe fan as well. I thought like, that was my guy. Yeah, Kobe's good. That's so I know what type of player you are. <laughs> <laughs> I know what type of player you are right now. Here we go. Well, I used to play a little Kobe-ish, but. I, and now if I, I shoot, if I miss, then that's we're just going to have a bad day. I'm just going to keep shooting. That's how Kobe was. <laughs> <laughs> he missed a lot. He didn't shoot 50% from the field like Durant. Yeah, but I used to be a rebounder. I used to be a big offensive rebounder. Like They, they used to call me the Matrix sometimes. Like I used to, used to really be on the boards and defend. I could defend. Man, I'm coming to Atlanta. Yeah. We're falling up. <laughs> hey, but you're six three, so I don't hey. even question. I mean, and I'm older, so yeah. What do you think about trophies in youth sports? Because I see all these athletes. Well, not really all the athletes, but psychos like James Harrison that just go, "I don't give a shit about mm-hmm. trophies in youth sports, and they shouldn't give uh, them out at all unless you win." <sighs> Somebody in the live said you rebounded your own shit. <laughs> I'm not mad at that. I did. I did. I had a stat. I was a good rebounder, though. but um, this is gonna. This is you know. I'm gonna have to deal with this now that I have a five year old son. Um, I, I I'm I'm in the middle, man. I don't I don't really I don't really care. Like if you give a kid a trophy and and he didn't win, like I don't think it's gonna stay with him for life. I don't think it builds any type of 
character for him to switch one way or the other. You know, I, I don't know if you've, if you've seen any videos I posted of my son. When my son was 14 months old. He was shooting with correct form on a, on a hoop, mm-hmm. right? So I'm in my mind, I'm like, yo, this kid is a savant. Like, he's going to be a boy. He wasn't walking up to the rim dunking it. He was shooting. Mm-hmm. And as he got older, anywhere we went, we had to take this little hoop with us. You know, it was always basketball, basketball, basketball. He turned two or, or three. You know, it died down. He's doing other things. But I didn't want to force it. Now, last year he was four. He wanted he wanted to play on the team. Daddy wanted to play on the team. So we took him to this basketball league, right? I I was hoping that it was just instructional, mm-hmm. you know, just show the kids how to play, how to out of bound, defense, dribble. But after ten minutes of they put jerseys on the kids and had them <laughs> go up and down. What did we pay for? Like this this is foolish. And the baller in me, you want your son to automatically get that dog in him, right? Yeah. Rip the ball from people. It was one kid there with cuts in his arms. Knocking everybody down, making layups. I say all that to say I watched my son look up at the scoreboard at the numbers counting down, pointing at them. And anytime they gave him the ball, he gave it right back. And I had to take myself away and be like, you know what? This is not who he's going to be for the rest of his life. <laughs> like he's four, he's learning about the world. So if he's seven and whatever they, they give him a trophy or he doesn't get a trophy like it's not gonna build it's not gonna change who he is like i'm not putting much stock into that the, the lessons i give him at home about that trophy are more important you know so i mean the the end of the statement is is 100 percent true like if you have the support structure there to put it in a form where you can you know explain it properly then yeah i i think especially i played a lot of football i played basketball i played everything um that Anybody that goes through a football season, they need to get something because it's mm. fucking hard just to go to practice and, and do that as a younger kid. You can have a bigger trophy for somebody that wins, but there should be a sense of accomplishment, especially going forward into a time where people aren't getting up and doing shit at all. You know what I'm saying? So just just yeah. you doing it is it should be a sense of a, a accomplishment to, to it yourself. Um and just him doing it at the time is, is a sense of accomplishment to himself. He might not take it in that way at four, even with you explaining it to him. And I mean, at four, yeah. I don't even think I – it was win-loss. At that point, it, it, it was nothing to me. It was like, all right, what the fuck was that? Yeah. But like nine, I guess, through 11, when I was 11, I was fucking crazy. I was like mm-hmm. killer to the max. I don't care what it is. I'm yelling. <laughs> at any, now right. the only thing that can make me mad is if – like – I start doing bad shit, or the other team starts doing bad shit, and then mm-hmm. I get, then I'm like, all right, and then like the rest fuck shit up, and then I'll get kicked out the game or something like that. But um, yeah, I just. But if I can teach my son wins and lessons, you know, I still want to have that dog, and I still want him to win. But if I can teach him, hey man, there's no, there's no loss. Like you learning from this, we going to get better. You know, whatever happens, and then I agree. If he gets the trophy for just participating. He may not want it. I, I, I don't. I'm not gonna be mad at it. Like I'm not gonna be like, oh, I'll be throwing this in the garbage. Like, it is what it is. We. I'm focused on the the bigger picture. Like, where where are you going in life? Like, what are we what are we what are we learning from this? You know. I I, I feel like. I don't. Know, I fucking completely forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> so, I guess we'll get. We got two more questions. Well, actually, it's just one more question. So I feel like, in my opinion. Between you, 
and Cannabis might be the two most underrated rappers I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Really? Um, I thought can- Cannabis gets a lot of love. Cannabis has like a great independent a following. I think he did yeah. the indie album and sold 250,000 copies, just indie. Actually, I'll ask you a whole other question is that. Why aren't these rappers independent? Like, why aren't ones that come out of a contract? Like, for instance, Drake's about to come out of a contract. Why doesn't he just go independent? Mm-hmm. You don't need to really press copies anymore. I'll do you one better. Why not sell your own music on your That's website? That's what I'm saying. Like, not even in, like, not even a label. Like, That's just like, isn't that what Chance hey, the Rapper's doing? I don't, well, I don't, I think he, he hasn't sold any music. He never sold mm-hmm. music. And so I think for him to be nominated for a Grammy, I think he had to sell that last one. But he wasn't he didn't sell music for years. Yeah, I mean I I would I would have an app. Hey, you like it? Buy it. Five dollars. Like before Little Yachty signed his deal, I think he had something like two million subscribers on YouTube. And then got into a deal from there. You could charge a dollar. Exactly. <laughs> With two million people. <laughs> Half of those buy it. You exactly. Are, I don't think you know, people, and that's the the part of the game where I don't think people are giving them that in that instance. I think even if somebody has so much followers, they're still held by this point where they think that there's something that they don't know, and that somebody else. There's so many people right. trying to take advantage of them that they want to be sure that all right. Well, I know that a certain amount of money's coming from here, not realizing that you could have everything you could have your ownership you could have full control over what you want to do with your music like you see rihanna now she just goes look i'm not making music right now because i don't really feel inspired to make music right now but she's doing so much other shit and take rihanna's the one who took it and made her own shit and the and the men you gotta think (laughs) about it if somebody like little yachty right if he wants to do little wayne has more cachet to do something like i said but even still the average consumer right now, if if your boy puts out an album, what's the first thing you're gonna ask him? What is it on? Is it on iTunes? Is it on Spotify? Is it on Title? If he says nah, it's on my website. Or like when I put something out on Bandcamp before I put it out on on, mm-hmm. on iTunes, what if you you don't have Bandcamp? You can't listen to Bandcamp on your phone. You're like, uh, it's not the same. So we are trained to kind of just go with the platform that we know. So somebody like Yachty's like, I don't know how to get on those streaming platforms. Let me just let them do it. I'm put it on. Let me give it to TuneCore. You know, that's what I do. Now it's everywhere, all across the world. I'm getting statements from, you know, Bucharest. People are listening mm-hmm. to it. I couldn't have did that on my own. Like, that's something that the mentality that yep. we have. But if you're Wayne, you can get Apple on the phone. Like, you can get all these people on the phone and say, hey, I'm sending it to you through me, not through nobody else. <laughs> And that takes the power away. That's what they don't yeah. want. They don't want the artist to have direct contact to Spotify, to Pandora, to like what? There's no. That's... I mean, at this point, there's no reason. And I, I don't know if you've seen the, the Joe Rogan podcast deal. It's a crazy mm-hmm. amount of money. I think it's like a hundred million dollars. There's no reason, like you're saying, that that artist can't pick up and call them and just say, you know what, fuck whatever deal was there. Now I don't even want my music on your platform unless it's this. Like basically, what I don't think people realize that basically title hit the ground running because Kanye with the life of Pablo said it's only getting released on title. Right. And that's what started yeah. that buzz where people were like, how do I download it? Where is it? Like you could make a deal like that with, with straight to Spotify that goes, Hey, I'm only giving you three albums. It's going straight to you. You're going to be the only streaming uh, service that has it. How much money are they going to give you for that? If you're Wayne, like Wayne's next album. 
So I want you to think about something. <laughs> the guy who runs Title is on Apple Music, mm-hmm. right? So he couldn't take that money off the table. I said, listen, I said that to somebody before. I said, Kanye pulled his shit off everything to put that title there. And then after that, right. Jay put his shit back on all of them. Yeah. So just think about <laughs> that for a second. Like, that says it all that if Jay was right, yo, I don't care, he would be strictly titled Apple Music calling, hey, man, we want to, you're missing out on millions of dollars. I don't care. Nah, let me get, get that money. Hey, we passed kneeling. Go ahead and go ahead and put it over there. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much what he said. So, as long as that happens, <laughs> hey, listen, I I own Burger King, but y'all selling whoppers over there. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, for real. Yeah, that that's you know? what it takes. It takes that type. Once again, and I'm gonna go into it in more detail next episode, specifically about Kanye yeah. and how he's crazy, but. That level of art is what it takes to shift and change the complete industry and take the power out of their mm-hmm. fucking hands. There was a point where people didn't know rap to the point. I don't know if you heard the way that Ice T got signed. He just walked mm-hmm. in and was like, "I'm a rapper. You all gotta sign me." And they were like, "Okay, we'll say something." And he was like, "Y'all don't believe I can rap? Fuck it, I'm leaving." And they were like, "You're signed." But that was a point in rap where where you know white yeah. industry was just. Like, we got to get something. We got to get something. And then they felt that that yeah, was the yeah, edge. Yeah. We got to get this shit right now. But it ain't like that anymore. They have a, a pretty concise mm-hmm. idea of what they want to be pushing out to people. Um, and obviously, that's not a lot of conscious, lyrical, educated people. <laughs> it's, it's not anything. Uh, it's that, And that's another thing we didn't really touch on. The, the content that's, that, you know, scares me. It's not just the iconic figures and the lyricism. It's, it's the content, man. Like, Takashi will be all over that this uh WAP song is all on your timeline. Mm-hmm. But any when those when those same when other people were putting out songs with a little bit of social commentary, when Little Baby put out that song, it wasn't it wasn't flooding. Mm-hmm. I don't even know I don't know if it was on I don't listen to radio like that, but I don't I listen to radio. To- I know he did it at B at the BET Music Awards, but as I said in another uh episode, BET is not even owned by black people. So <laughs> right. Yeah, what what was the last? I ask people all the time. What was the last single that had some type of content? What was the last hit single on the radio that had some type of conscious content to it? Like, I have to think. Maybe J Cole. It's got to be something. No, it's probably Kendrick. DNA. It's got to be something from Kendrick because that album. I mean, the whole album was like that, and that album was on the radio. Like where obviously conscious to pimp a butterfly was like that too, but not a lot of that shit was on the radio. But his yeah. last album, a lot of the songs were on the radio, so a lot of it is in there. Yeah, I, I his song I did all right, but they weren't. I don't know. I don't think they were like top chart topping songs. I don't. I don't know. I'm not even sure. Yeah, I, I mean, no, definitely not the last conscious like top number one song. I have. No fucking clue, and that's not just that. That's not just music. It's also TV. I, um, I've said before, like it's probably Jesus walks. <laughs> it might go that. It might go far that, that far back. I'm not gonna get into Jesus today, or else we're gonna be on here for another three hours. <laughs> well, that song. Right? <laughs> yeah. If I met Kanye, I'd yeah. say stop that shit right now. You said slavery was a choice, and then he you didn't went write back it. to mental slavery. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, he didn't write it, so. Yeah. Um. I guess the last question of the night would be, 
if you could put your if you could put three of your songs in anybody's hands, who would it be and what three songs would they be? That kind of defined what you are as an artist. Hmm. Somebody said oh. Nipsey. Nipsey ain't on the radio like that. He might be out there, but nah, I ain't heard that shit. Nah, ain't no hits, but he's definitely he dropped some jewels. Um, man, obviously the crazy thing is I would have wanted I would have wanted Kobe to to hear to hear my songs, man. That would have been. He would have kicked that Brian McKnight flow. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't ask him to rap. I would have wanted him to hear the songs. I would have. I would have put it in his hands. Um, but three songs, though. Uh, uh, that's tough, man. Um, it could be an album if you want. Yeah, that, that, it's There's a song no of the, the Lazarus Lazarus drum. I think kind of defined where I am right now. Like Walk on Water. Um, so just the. the the title track, um, Lazarus, that one kind of defines where I am. Um, it's hard to think back to the older stuff because I don't, I don't remember it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I'm, makes sense, man. I mean, you, you, if you're yeah. a different person, then you're a different person. It just is what it is, and everybody hears yeah. it differently in their life at a different points. Yeah, there's a song called "Green Grass" that I always, um, always still, still like when I hear it. But I just talked about. Out to both sides of of having a job and not having a job and then being in a relationship and not being in a relationship and looking at the grass being green on the other side. Um that's something that was that's real human mm-hmm. that I liked. Um and a lot of people gravitate towards the good day song that I did of um about the guy in a car accident. Um That's I, on I that's that on that album. I don't even know if I know that album. That was on my that was on my soul to keep. Okay. Oh, good, good day. Yeah. Um so I did I did bad day on uh on Lazarus about domestic bad violence. Bad day reminded me of the there's a song on Rizza's album, Bobby Digital. The last song on that album. It's just like that. Yeah, yeah, I that. <laughs> just yeah, reminded yeah, me of that song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I like I like Bad Day. That was um I like first person narratives and stuff that nobody's you know, really touched on. So that was that was dope. But if if I couldn't get it to Kobe, I'll probably get it to like Barack or somebody. Um, I think they have a sit down. That'd be a good one, shit. With him, Mr. Michelle Obama, yeah. with cheating ass podcast, bringing Barack on on the first episode. Hey, and then Jamel Hill got on on her first episode of her show, not on her podcast, but they started the show yesterday. Well, you can you can archive this because um. I'm, I'm gonna be somebody. <laughs> you are somebody. There's no question about that. We're all somebody. Um, and to be honest, your words are more powerful than, you know, somebody that thinks they're somebody. And you're an educator. Appreciate and that. You're the, I think you're the fourth educator that I have I've had on. And you have to think about it. I mean, that one person you might save, you might have saved them from that song that's on the radio. Just giving them that, you know, that that real type of information of kind of what life's about and. It's not something that you hear for four minutes and turn off. It's a constant mm-hmm. support structure that's there. And I feel like with a lot of the, the young minority youth, that's kind of what they need, a, a constant support structure. I didn't have the yep. shit when I was younger, so I therefore try to offer it to everybody. Your mother tries to keep you alive. Your father's supposed to teach you financial responsibility. 
everybody I knew that grew up with both their parents had great credit. I did not. Mm. <laughs> I didn't even know what it no. was until you, you no. fucked it up and then you have to rebuild it and then you learn over time. So now yeah. I, I try to tell people, I'm going to give you this information. You can choose to take it. The information is not for you to be me. It's so you can be better than me, faster mm -hmm. than me. Um, for me. me personally, obviously Savior is the song that I came in on. I love mm -hmm. that song. Homeless. Mm. By any dream necessary. Dope, dope, dope. Homeless is one take, man. I gotta tell, gotta tell you that. Really? <laughs> yeah. Working with Focus, man. We did that that joint. I, I was thinking about that song the other day because he always he always talked about how when I came to his house to record it, um, you know, he he we, we working on a beat. He was doing a beat right there, and I'll be writing something. I'll be like, I, he he said it annoyed him because I never reacted to the beat. I just be like, all right, I'm ready. And then when I I did the whole thing in one take, he was just like, "Oh, you did." Have he was it. floored. <laughs> he was like, "Yo," and I said, oh, "I messed up a line." He was like, "Shut up! Don't touch the mic. Sit down. <laughs> Let me mix it." So I I that's another one. I I like that song. I like the the concept, the way I um, the way I came up with it. Yeah, I, I, that was a dope one. The, um, my, my mother was my hero, or better yet, my heroine is one of the craziest lines yeah. I ever heard in my life. Because it was perfect yeah. it was like a drug segue to this statement and i was like oh my god <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was some good lines in there yeah i like that um and by any dream necessary man yeah i, I feel like that every day <laughs> yeah you know when i when i came up with the concept because i didn't even have a beat for it i just started coming up with those words and i was just like this is this is a lot of us you know especially when we really don't know what to do it's like yo i just I feel like whether it's marching or, you know, just making some statements or just being active, like, what do I do? And I, I was so grateful that I was at least able to to speak to youngsters every day, you know, and at least say I'm doing something because it was a time when rap felt like this is not enough. Yeah. So, so, He's making these songs. It's funny you say that because somebody said to me, um, they were like, look at, uh, what's her name? One of the Kardashian, the fucking... The one that's with Travis Scott. Chloe? Kylie. Uh, so Kylie on her Instagram yeah. <laughs> had a sign that said Black Lives Matter. And somebody was like, that shit's fake. Look at the reflection. Blah, blah, blah. She wasn't really there. And I'm like, let's be serious here. What's more important? Her being at an airport hangar holding a sign or her posting it on her Instagram mm -hmm. where, where she has the second most followers on Instagram? Wow. Only behind yeah. like Ariana Grande. <laughs> that's great. So I'm like... You got to think about that. I think the impact's a little bit yeah. more on her Instagram than it would be if she was just standing in a fucking airport hangar. So people overthink it. But, you know, the message is the message no matter what. And if you're supporting it, you're supporting yeah. it. You know, it, maybe you don't got enough time to do the shit and show up there for the real life. But that lets you know, mm -hmm. you know, lets people know where you stand. I would also give the honorable mention of uh, the song New Jordans, which is absolutely dope. And even the poem. Oh, dope. yeah, that song. That song meant a lot to me, man, because it was, it really showed my growth. It was the first time I spoke on working in education on a, on a song, and it was really written on a line um, to buy Jordan. <laughs> I, I didn't actually have to. Like, I woke up with the intent to get online to buy Space Jams, and then when I got there, because I, um, I had a ticket or I had already been there, they let me right in. 
but I saw people on the line. I was like, wow, what am I doing? Like, I never did this in my life. But I told my wife that morning, I was like, yo, I'm about to go get these space jams. And I, and I want I want your blessing <laughs> that I'm about to spend $200 on some kicks. And she was like, it's fine. She's like, it's okay. But yeah, and I started thinking about it as I saw the line. And the words started coming to me. And um, yeah, that's a, that's, that's a dope Oh, one. yeah, unquestionably. I tell, yeah. I only wear when I'm when when I wear shit out, whether it's, it's like Yeezys or whatever, all that shit's fake. Somebody said to me, "I can't wear fake shit," and I said to him, "Well, by the time you even know it's fake, and you won't, I'll be in a different fucking country right. with the money that I saved, <laughs> and I'll be putting the right. money where it belongs." Um, especially with Jordan, and other than his recent donations, which I think really had to do with. You know, Kobe and LeBron. And I think Kobe, even what he turned into, yeah. had to do a lot with LeBron. And when, but before, you know, Kobe left us, um, he became a great dude, man. And, and it sucks because everybody's always like, where are the black leaders? And my answer is always like, you fucking killed them. <laughs> you killed mm-hmm. Huey Newton. You killed Malcolm. You killed Martin. You killed Tupac, who was starting voter registration. Everybody wants to talk about thug life, but they don't want to talk about other shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and that was moved. that was and Biggie hadn't scratched the surface, so yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was that uh that yeah. uh, that idea where that's what you need going forward. And you said it before; it's it's mentoring. And like I said, man, you did make it. Um, and I just want to thank you for being a great guest tonight. Somebody said it was yeah. the it was the number one number two episode other than his episode, but I said, man, fuck that. Wow, that's <laughs> a lot. we're going that's a lot. on, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, as we go forward. I would love to have you on again without question because it was definitely great, man. And, oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. Being a wordsmith, you delivered. You delivered stories and all, all everything man. that we needed tonight. <laughs> and hopefully somebody's yeah, going to go I feel listen like to I, your I, music. I, I, yeah, it's, uh, I, I feel like I got more. Like I can't, So many things. I got. You stumped me a couple of times. That's, that's dope. I like well, that. Well, yeah. the way that I think is outside the box. Um, it's funny. I posted some shit on, yeah. on, on Facebook earlier that was like, me explaining how I think to somebody else, and it's me as an alien. <laughs> somebody else is talking because I don't want to hear. I don't want the normal shit because you know, the people that I bring on here are normal. They're doing extraordinary things, um, mm-hmm. and people are holding up people as if they're doing extraordinary things when they're not. And I don't like that shit. I like sure. to hold up the people that are. I wish that I was famous enough to go just like what Kanye did to Common and go, hey, look at this shit, and and just hold it up for everybody to see this so that we can you know inevitably change the world but shot that is that is it right there <laughs> that's it right there now what you just said that's the only thing that i have left is to make it to a level where i can say yo this guy right here this podcast right here like you know that's it so we'll be there both of us. thank you for everything boss have yeah. a great night thank you you too